0: i believe that healthier people are happier people i want to help others if i can help you to find happiness by supporting your wellness i think that that can be something that can stick for a longer period of time and best case scenario for a lifetime i mean i might be a dreamer but you know i'd I'd like to think that that's that that's possible the
1: podcast is in session I'm your host Elizabeth Tingle and welcome to our series Conversations on School Health, a holistic look at maximizing the health and well-being of students and teachers. This series is a collaboration between the Workland School of Education at the University of Calgary and Everactive Schools. Each episode we speak with a different leader in their field about topics that impact student and teacher well-being, And I'm here with Lisa Taylor today to talk about how teachers can promote health in the school context. But first, we'd like to remind our listeners that one of the reasons why we are sharing this content by podcast is to give you the time to pursue something that would make you feel better right now, today, whether it's going outside or doing some coloring, whatever would make you feel more relaxed or more alive. We're hoping that you can learn while you're also taking care of yourself. So I'd like to start before we get into the details and figure out more about you, Lisa, I'd like to start with asking what are your go-to strategies for taking care of yourself?
0: I love to be active every day. It's something I actually started in 2015. That was a, a shape-shifting year for me. Prior to that, I, you know, I was always trying to it in workouts and add it on to my schedule, but in 2015 I decided I'm gonna be active every day and I started embedding it into what I'm doing. So I love to be active on my bike. Biking is something that I do in the morning usually before anybody's awake, before my daughter and my partner are awake. Um, I do a lap around the reservoir and uh, and I absolutely love it. And often I try my best to get outside when I'm active. So just to get the fresh air and usually in Alberta the sunshine and to enjoy the benefits of that and I find that just by getting outside that helps my social and emotional wellness as well. I feel more calm and and more prepared to take on my day. I really love in the winter time to to cross country ski. I just hop my skis over my shoulder and head over to a soccer field that's near my house and I pop my classic skis on and I just carve a path for my first lap and then I try to do three or four or five or however many I feel I need to or would like to do after that I do some laps and and I just it's it's part of my day so I I bring my dog with me we both get active we interact I find it's so positive to get out with her as well and sometimes I'll try and get my daughter out, so she's up early, or I enjoy bringing her out with me as well and, and getting her active. I actually, had her out behind me on my cross country skis last winter in her sleigh that I just attached with the the hip dog leash to myself. <laughs> it looked a little <laughs> funny, but uh, but it was just it was great to get outside. So that's something that I really like to do, and it just really transforms my overall wellness. So physical activity makes me feel happy. And it reduces my stress and, and gets the endorphins going. And yeah, it's very much part of what I do. It's because I'm my best Lisa when, when I am active. While I'm active, unless I'm with my daughter and we're, and we're talking because that's, again, part of that social wellness piece and developing that really great relationship with my daughter, but I also really enjoy, you know, as I'm a student as well as an instructor right now, I'm doing some graduate studies and I'm teaching courses as well, I have a lot of literature that passes by my desk, and instead of staring at a computer screen or more paper... Uh, which I prefer not to print out my articles because I have a you know, I have some green conscience that way. I really love to just pop my my article on my phone and I use a couple of different apps depending on the device that I have with me. But I I, I pop open an app, I, I load up an article and then the app will actually read it to me. So I pop in my headphone and I can listen while I'm active. So I'm learning as well as being active, as well as getting outside. And sometimes I'm also interacting with my dog. And And while the apps aren't 100% perfect in reading the article to me verbatim, um, I get about, I feel like I get about 90% of the article. And then it's just a matter of coming home and maybe skimming over a couple of things. It's really great to get those two things are just to get them both done at the same time and then to do it in an enjoyable way. It's made me feel like I'm really conquering my to do list because I'm getting active and I'm getting work done at the same time.
1: I love that looking for ways to just add it to your day and still, you know, accomplish the things that you feel responsible for. I think you're, Mm -hmm. you're really good at doing that. I've seen you do that when we've been studying or working together and you'll go and run up the stairs or something. You just kind of make it work even on the days when you're really busy. And I think that's, that's the right way to do it, because it can not always look the same every day. But you can find a way I think to be active in some way every day. Yeah, to
0: add on to that, the World Health Organization for adults recommends uh, 20 minutes, about 20 minutes of physical activity a day, it works out too because they say, you know, 150 minutes A week of moderate to vigorous physical activity for adults. And they say in chunks of 10 minutes or more. You know, sometimes I'll have a break at school between lectures. I'll just go do stairs for 10 minutes. I'll just walk up to the 13th floor and back down again, the education tower and do that a couple of times. And then 10 minutes is gone and I feel recharged and uh, not super sweaty. (laughs) I can get back to class uh, or get, get onto my next class and, and I've already done 50% of what I need to, to support my body and my optimal health and wellness. It's just to, just to know, okay, well 10 minutes can make a difference. I can, I can fit in 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, totally. I think that's a great way to approach it instead of feeling like, oh, well, if I can't go for an hour, what's the point? Right. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your experience as a teacher and how you have come to care about health and well-being in schools.
0: My experience as a teacher, I was with the Calgary Board of Education for nine years. I taught grades one to five and seven to twelve physical education, and then taught all sorts of different subjects uh, at the high school level. So I've I've taught basic science, biology, 20, I think it was. I've taught uh, grade 10 social studies, reading strategies. I've managed IPPs for half a high school. Done all sorts of stuff when it comes to my experience as a teacher. I've also, for extracurricular contributions, uh, I've coached basketball, at the high school level and coach track as well and now in the education context i'm i'm a student i'm a graduate student at ufc and then i'm also teaching online yeah i I care about wellness so much it's just part of who i am really i mean as i grew up my parents really encouraged me to participate in sport and i gravitated to it right away i loved the fun and the competition my parents also really fostered a let's be active together as a family sort of um, approach to how we live. We'd play soccer outside together and my dad was a soccer coach for me and uh, when we were growing up. So we were very active focused, but, but it was also about connecting as, as a family while we were doing those things and having fun together and building that sort of that social wellness together, doing these active things, laughing together at the same time was, was really important. naturally, Uh, wellness has been important to me because I have found so much happiness being physically active and that physical activity has transformed my social and emotional well-being as well and I think it also taps into that sort of spiritual well-being uh, because I enjoy being outside and I really feel like I can connect with you know nature and feel the snow underneath my skis and and the rubble underneath my bike tires and I've always wanted to to help others, it's why I got into education. For me, to help students find a way to enjoy being active and appreciate how physical activity can make them feel, and really connect that sort of holistic wellness to physical activity, is just is just part of me. And so, wellness. When I heard about and learned about comprehensive school health, that perspective of it's in what we do. It's not extra work we do. Yeah. That, that really spoke to me because it's how we do what we do, not something we need to fit in or out on.
1: Yeah, that it just is part of the day and part of the school experience. I really like what you said about how physical activity is almost like a scaffold for social interactions, whether it's organized sport or even just that informal like It's almost easier to talk to someone when you're walking than when you're sitting across from them, say, at a cafe. It's, I think, more comfortable. And there's something about physical movement allowing you to make connections in a way that's, I think, maybe easier.
0: It gives you something to talk about, too. If I'm out on a walk with a friend we have the scenery to talk about. We have the weather to talk about. (laughs) We have, you know, how we're feeling to talk about. And yeah, it's enjoyable. And I mean, I did that with my students as well in class. We go for our warm ups. I mean, I play games with them. I would run with them. And we talk while we're doing it. And that's also an indicator and more physical activity focus, but it's also an indicator of pace. You know, that's a great moderate pace is where you can have a conversation with somebody while you're being active. I like how you said it sort of scaffold. It's a scaffolding for, for other dimensions of wellness. So that's social wellness. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Like I find it interesting. My son is just starting high school this year and he has said that he has had the easiest time making friends in phys ed, which I think says a lot about that sort of interaction that's built in to the activity that you're doing. And we're just kind of all doing this together Let's get to know each other. So I think that's a really good point. Tell us how your background and expertise in physical education shaped the way you taught some of those other subjects that maybe you weren't, you know, planning on teaching when you were (laughs) trained for a phys ed teaching career, but the social studies and the reading strategies and things like that. Did you try and find a way to infuse your passion for movement and physical activity when you were teaching those subjects?
0: Yeah, I think the social emotional wellness of it came really naturally because, I mean, as a phys ed teacher, safety is a big concern, right? With implements and equipment flying all over the place, you have to be really cognizant of, you know, how your class is set up. But I said safety is number one to my students. This isn't necessarily, you know, specific to (laughs) safety with how we set up. It's safety physically, socially, emotionally, you know, spiritually, we need to feel like we can be who we are, we need to feel as though this is a a safe place for us to be. And that that was something that I always I really harped on, you know, at the beginning was that You know, I'm going to be respectful of you. I expect you to be respectful of your peers and I expect you to be respectful of me as well. Mm -hmm. And we start off on that. That's something, yeah, it was in my social studies classes and my learning strategies classes. And, you know, I also said, we're all human. (laughs) We all make mistakes. We all have circumstances that come up that might apply to one person that don't apply to another. You know, if you need to hand in an assignment late or whatever it is, just talk to me. You know, we're human. Talk to me. I really intentionally framed our class in a let's make this a great environment for us to be in, first and foremost, no matter what it is that we're doing. And I think that took me into a space where I could build relationships with my students. I mean, I would also ask them how they're doing as they came into class. I I would, you know, try to get to learn who they are, not just with regards to their skills and abilities and knowledge regarding the subject, but who they are as people, who do they go home to at the end of the day, what do they like to do, what are their responsibilities. So that was really important. And then I also brought in the physical activity side of it, too. So uh, at times, you know, I had students doing what you might call modified gymnastics with (laughs) their desks and chairs. That, uh, yeah, it was fun. And some students would look at each other like, you know, or should we do this? This is math class. You know, oh, I never taught math. But, you know, it, it was uh, sometimes I just got the feeling like they'd come in and they walked, you know, 25 steps down the hall, maybe got in a staircase and then plopped themselves in another desk. You know, at the high school level, you're sitting down for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that just for me, I wanted to get up and move okay everybody put their stuff down and I'd usually get a, oh here we go <laughs> but they put their stuff down and say okay up on your chair okay sit down oh okay get up on your chair okay sit down now get up on your desk and eventually everybody's smiling and then there's some who sit down and go this is ridiculous miss taylor but um i tried to infuse it that way as well and just have an opportunity
1: to smile and do you feel like that added some fun and energy even when you did that
0: Oh, totally. I mean, the kid who, who, you know, slumped in their chair and looked like they were ready to fall asleep for the second time in the morning, you know, it got them up and, you know, stuff to fall asleep when you're being <laughs> instructed to stand on your chair. And, you know, it's not something that I think a lot of teachers necessarily do. It's kind of fun to do something you're not allowed to do in another class, I think, but that's just my own personal perspective and nutritional wellness as well like I would always encourage my students to eat in class if they had something to eat and they're hungry it's not always easy to eat in other classes depending on teacher's rules or if you're in a computer lab so I would say if you have food and you're hungry then eat for sure I would encourage them I know what it's like to try to learn when you're hungry or to try and learn you haven't had anything to eat or you're uncomfortable to ask and yeah, so I encourage that as well. My training and my experience with health and physical education certainly overlapped into the more core classroom-based subjects that I taught.
1: I'm wondering how you would encourage people who maybe didn't have the training in health and physical education to feel more comfortable teaching well-being to their students. Like I was trained as a secondary language arts teacher and I didn't get any of the expertise that you did in your program. Nevertheless, I did have to teach senior high health. You, you know, you said it before, sometimes you just take the job that you get. Yeah. And I wish I had had more experience. But I think there are a lot of especially specialists who might say, oh, well, that's not my responsibility. So what would you say to motivate teachers to see it more as something that they should consider as part of their role as a teacher?
0: There, there certainly are ways to make things more active. Looking at your curriculum and trying to think a bit outside the box, like counting and using cards, uh, is, cards can be spread out all over the place. And taking advantage of other spaces like the outdoors, especially in the late spring early fall and in June, there is a wonderful space out there too. Often, and not always certainly, but uh, a field where students can be taken to and education can kind of be explored that way. I think just getting outside makes a huge difference. But I think without the physical education training, if teachers are looking for, you know, how do I support wellness in my classroom? I think that safety piece of being authentic and being open and being somewhat vulnerable as well to say i'm not perfect and none of us are and we're all just doing our best to try and make this work and i think can go a long way with building relationships with students and i think when you have the trust of students you can do really great things uh, to support them as learners and to make you know relationships that that last a long time you know i still connect with students who who have since graduated many years ago and I mean that's something that I value as as a human as part of my life. I think without the health and physical education training I think being keen to develop relationships by opening an opportunity to have conversation and showing openness and showing forgiveness. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's a way to maybe tackle that and then if individuals are looking for more active ways to instruct their their curriculum I mean there's a whole variety of resources on the internet YouTube's got some great resources where you could you could type in how to teach geometry while being active there could be all sorts of things that could come up there's a lot of great minds out there and not reinventing the wheel I think is important to support teacher wellness as well because we've got so much stuff to do every day of course.
1: I really like that point that um, part of promoting well being in a school is just being ready to form relationships and make connections with students. The more I learn about education, the more I realize it's about the relationships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The relationships that you have with your student and with colleagues, that's what makes a school a community. And it, what, it's what makes it a valuable place to work, an enjoyable place to work. But also, students are more motivated when they have a connection with you and feel like you are a trusted, caring adult in their lives. Mm-hmm. I think it changes their motivation for learning and for being there. So it's huge. I, if I could go back and tell myself at the beginning, like, <laughs> spend more time just getting to know them, that, that sort of in-between class interaction, I think I, I think I missed out on some opportunities to do more of that. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about this idea of a health champion. So in the comprehensive school health framework, there is this notion that a school might need a health champion to kind of get the ball rolling on shifting a culture to well-being. Can you talk a little bit more about what a health champion would do and exactly how they could get started and why it's important? A health
0: champion in my eyes is is someone who sort of takes the lead role like that gets the ball rolling on a conversation about comprehensive school health. And what I mean by that is schools are usually doing a lot of really great things to support student wellness from subjects being offered to all sorts of different sort of fairs and speakers and and just different initiatives that are already in place. I mean, I don't think I've come across a school who doesn't do a Terry Fox run. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that are already going on within a school culture that are wellness focused i think teachers are also doing things and maybe like you just mentioned they might not even notice that they're building and focusing on relationships you know it's just maybe a part of how who they are and as as social human beings and i've met a lot of really wonderfully social teachers and <laughs> we might even have a reputation for that <laughs> but yeah no i think i think the health champion looks at those wellness initiatives within schools and goes and says, how do we make this sort of a comprehensive picture? And how is this embedded in our teaching and learning? These aren't just activities or events that happen just for fun, but that it's meaningful. It's embedded and supported in teaching and learning activities. It's backed up by school policy. It's is supported potentially with the partnerships and services in the community. And it's part of the environment that that the students counter when they come to the school. So my eyes, again, see the health champion as getting a conversation started. Now, I think how I've practiced being a health champion, because I've done that at two schools, I've started comprehensive school health teams uh, at two schools. I don't know that I did it right, because I took it I took it on on my own. And so what I mean by that is I worked to build a team, but I led all the meetings. We worked collaboratively to decide where comprehensive school health focus was going to go based on the data that we were reflecting on and where are the strengths and where are the needs? How do we celebrate the strengths? How do we address the needs? Where's the priority area and how do we focus on that? And what do we need to do to focus on the priority area? But I found myself driving a lot of that. And I, and that was a lot of extra load that I could have done a better job of sharing with this team that is there to support that wellness. I think the health champion is there to start in an ideal situation to start the conversation, and then to share that responsibility. It's so sustainable with a team approach. Yeah, the health champion gets in and starts the conversation and works to build the team, and then the team carries the work. At least in the Calgary Board of Education, the year that I left to start my doctoral studies, they added a wellness goal into the school development plans. Hmm. That's just the best thing that had happened because... Prior to that, it was numeracy, literacy, numeracy, literacy, numeracy, literacy. And while those things are so important to have wellness as a goal that was on the same level as numeracy and literacy, well now, okay, administration, if we're allocating dollars to professional development in numeracy and literacy, then we also have space for wellness. Okay, (laughs) I'm getting excited. So, (laughs) So I think it's... Yeah, I think it's getting the ball rolling in line with some of the literature that's out there, you know, about some of those core conditions and essential conditions. I think it's about starting a great team and getting administration on board because that's so critical. Without administrative support, I think it'll always be an add-on. But with administrative support, I think it can be embedded in what you do. So you're doing... I had I had principal support, my principal support at the first school that I was at. He allowed me to use non-instructional day time for us to meet about wellness. And then he also gave us dollars so that I could buy everybody a healthy
1: lunch. Who doesn't like a free lunch? <laughs>
0: 30, 30 teachers or 30 staff members at the school. We weren't all staff members. There were some um, Alberta Health Services folks and um, some Calgary brown-begging kids lunches there were a bunch of different uh, partnerships actually that were at the table our resource officer we had a our facilities operator was on our team as well and yeah and and everybody sat down and we had a conversation that was just how are you doing over a healthy lunch mm-hmm. and I think that you know was was embedding wellness in it for us as well to have that conversation getting the team started and then working to share responsibility is the big role of the health champion and then yeah taking it from there one step at a time and it is slow hard you know work but when it's shared I don't think it has to be so onerous
1: so it's not a solo sport right this is something that you do with your colleagues this is a team effort which makes sense because then it's going to live and breathe in more than just one place in the school. And then that other key recommendation to get administration on board so that it's coming from all directions, that there's support and time um, that can make a big difference to success.
0: Yes. And students, sorry, I didn't, I forgot to mention. And so key were the students that were on our team because they inform a completely different perspective and they also like
1: healthy lunch. (laughs) So would they come with ideas of like, this is what I think this is the change that we need to see in our school?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we would we would ask them those questions, but it would still be backed on data that we got from at the time. It was a tell them for me survey where it gauged student responses, variety of ways that included wellness. It included accountability pillar surveys, which in Alberta, look at parent, teacher and student input regarding the school success achievement wellness as well that data the conversational data what are students seeing you know what are teachers seeing and I think some of that data comes to light when you're having lunch and you're talking about wellness as, as a topic after you've had that how are you doing conversation it's you know so what do you see and where's the opportunity and they brought some wonderful perspective that informs some major changes in the
1: school actually Can you give some examples?
0: When I was a leadership teacher, this is actually how Comprehensive School Health started in one of the schools that I was at. I said, there's this healthy active school symposium that this fantastic partnership in in the Alberta community called Ever Active Schools hosts. And I said, how about we go? They were keen on having conversations about wellness. These were also students that I saw very often in the physical education wing of the school. And I said, how about we go? Let's just have a conversation about wellness for the day. Are you interested? And so we went. And what came of the day were goals that were focused around student input to support mental health. Hmm. They really, all of them, all I can't remember, six or seven of them were really big on the point that they needed input in what they were doing in their classes and that that would help support their mental health. What I did, I was a physical education learning leader at the time. So as the department head, I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to ask my principal, if you'll pay for a sub, because this, it was a great principal and he was on board with wellness at our school and the importance of wellness. I said, would you be willing to support a sub for me for three days? And I'll use that time that I'm still getting paid to work, not extra time, not add on, but time that I'm getting paid to work to build surveys for every student that comes through physical education. So at the grade 10 level in Alberta, that's all of the students who came through phys ed. And then there were students who took phys ed 20 and phys ed 30 as options. But What I did was I created these surveys and said, here's every single unit we did in physical education, 10, 20 and 30 this semester. What did you like? What didn't you like? What were your thoughts on these activities? As well as gave them an opportunity to respond, and it was all anonymous. While there were sometimes comments to laugh about, which supported my emotional wellness, <laughs> and my colleagues' emotional wellness when we reviewed the surveys, it gave us some really great feedback. So one of the big changes we made when I got to the school, and, and as soon as I learned about it, I knew it needed to change, When I got to class, we had a swimming pool attached to the school and we had a mandatory swimming unit. And I remembered being a grade 10 student and, you know, with my body changing or having recently changed or whatever point I was at and not necessarily feeling really great about being in my bathing suit around all the people in my class. You're bringing back
1: bad memories for me too, Lisa.
0: (laughs) Yeah, a bunch of the students that we had would actually skip class I'd say it was probably a third of the students who were expected to come to class would just skip and then they would take an awful mark. And I felt like it just wasn't fair because if they're feeling uncomfortable, then I've compromised safety, which is the most important thing in my class. So as a phys ed learning leader, I said, okay, <laughs> we gotta change this, but I need I need some data to say that. And sure enough, after the first semester that we gathered that data, I think it was about half the students who said, You know, no, I didn't like the unit said it was either because of one of those three things. I don't want to be in a bathing suit around my peers. I don't have time to do my hair in 10 minutes after getting changed. You know, I'm not comfortable in change rooms with my peers. We made changes. The next semester, I said, and that's the nice thing about being the department head, is I said, okay, next semester, swimming is an option. Because there were also students who loved the swimming unit that said, you know, swimming was my favorite part of phys ed, So we didn't want to take it out either. It became an option. You can either take swimming or you can go do, I think the first alternative was yoga. And then we continued on from there. And that wasn't the only thing. Another area was doing a track and field unit. I don't want all of my peers to stare, stand around and look at me long jumping, you know, when I don't necessarily feel like I'm jumping very long. We created stations when it came to long jump so that students weren't standing around and observing each other. Yeah, we used data to inform those changes. And that's that's how comprehensive school health, I didn't really know it at the time that that's what I would later be able to identify it as. But that's really how it started at the school.
1: I love those examples because they're small tweaks, but you can see how it would make it more safe and protect those students and make it more welcoming environment. Like that's what we want. And I think it just probably didn't occur to anyone until you asked the students. So that's such a good example of really making sure that their voices are at the table when you're starting any kind of health promotion in the school.
0: Yeah, student voice is key. Without it, I mean – how are you going to get buy-in from the students unless they're eager? Exactly. it's It can just be very difficult. And why are we there in the first place? To support students. So their voice has to be at the table.
1: Okay, so we've talked about school health promotion on like an organizational level where you're maybe a committee or a health champion or you're trying to involve the administrator, but what about those everyday moments when we're just with students on our own or maybe with our colleagues? What are some everyday ways that we can make schools slightly healthier places? Like if someone listening wanted to make their school a better, healthier place starting tomorrow, what could they do?
0: Something that I've already talked about is that developing relationships with students is is so important. And I think it's something that can be done. You know, little steps can be taken towards that. I think at all grade levels as well. So asking how, you know, the weekend was or asking how their morning's going or how their afternoon was or, you know, I like your shoes, I like your shirt, or, you know, they've got some sort of theme on their shirt, like, oh, you're a, you know, soccer fan, basketball fan, whatever it is tapping into, or they've got their headphones in, what are you listening to, what do you like to listen to, and just try to develop relationships with students, get to know them better as people, uh, and ask them those questions as they're coming into class, and then during work time as well, you know, in the classroom, while I was circulating, you know, I'm reflecting really I'm envisioning my time as a science teacher right now. But while they were working on their lab write-ups or they were working on some problems from the textbook or something like that, you know, that's still an opportunity to have a conversation with them. What do they like about it? What don't they like about it? Or working to connect that to what else you know about the students, I think, is, is a great way to... To chime in or you know if you know that they're involved in extracurricular activity in the school so if they're in a club of some sort or if they're on a team of some sort asking how their game was or you know asking how their performance was i think can be a great way to open up opportunity to sort of support social emotional wellness in class and for the little ones you know what was your favorite part of the day or What's one thing that you learned so far today? Can you tell me? Can you teach me? Because I'd love to know, you know, or what book are you reading in class today? Or what did you share on carpet today? What are one of your favorite memories? Just asking sort of random questions. Uh, it can be hard to get the little ones to stop talking so you can start your lesson, but really great, you know, to find out some of that information. So I think having those conversations before class starts
1: in those few moments, I think can be really, really make a difference. I'm going to interrupt you because you are reminding me of something that keeps on happening with my kids. Because I think as you were explaining, you know, small ways to build relationships, I realized that I do this all the time with people, even though they're not in my classroom. Because I think as (laughs) (laughs) as a teacher, I think you have permission to be not nosy, but like nosy totally <laughs> <laughs> the, at least the friendliest person in the room you get to just ask people things as the teacher I do that all the time and my kids will say like mom that is weird to just go up and start asking people or I'll know my neighbor's kids names and I feel like if I know your name then I'm going to talk to you yeah. so yeah I think that's part of being a teacher is like you're you're always trying to build that community
0: Yeah, you know, really listening. And sometimes, you know, like as a phys ed teacher at a to K-9 school, I mean, I had 750 students that I was teaching. So it was tough to keep all the details straight. But having conversations with those students, I think a smile goes a long way and you know students will love especially thinking of the little ones right now i think they love to remind you of what dog they have at home and what they need to do and what they're responsible for and you know listening to that and responding to that in the moment i think can go a long way so another thing that i think that we can do is, is sometimes when i was on prep if i was lucky enough to have one in a day from the elementary sort of K to 9 level or if i was if i had my prep at the high school level and I needed to meet with somebody or talk to somebody. It was so great to take the meeting for a walk. So she ended up being one of my close friends. And I think it's because we made a habit of it. She was the athletic director in my school. I was the phys ed learning leader. And we'd need to talk about something with regards to how we were going to affect the goals from our school development plan. And if we wanted to coordinate or how we were going to coordinate efforts. So we Take our meeting for a walk to Starbucks, which was six or seven blocks away from the school, and then we'd come back. It would be maybe like 20, 25 minute, thirty-minute walk with a stop in the middle. But it was just so great again to get outside and we would go in the winter. You know, we'd throw on our winter boots and that's the nice part at the high school level is classes are 90 minutes. So if you share a prep with someone, you have time to get outside to be active, to have those conversations. If, you know, you can fit that into your schedule, but even if it's, you can't get outside, just taking your conversation for a walk in the hallways. I mean, walk fast enough if it's a private conversation so that you're not lingering by any doors, Mm -hmm. but, you know, take your conversation for a walk in the school, or if you're meeting with a student, you know, if they're comfortable with it, of course, Mm -hmm. take the student for a walk as well. And I think that's just a great way to um, encourage some wellness and again, embed it within what we're already doing. So I need to talk to you. Are we going to sit down or are we going to move together? We
1: can do, we can achieve the same things. Let's get moving. Love that. So my last question is just to ask you, what inspires you in terms of school health promotion? And why does this work continue to be so important to you? It really ties into happiness for me.
0: I believe that healthier people are happier people. It just, it it resonates with that value, that core value I have as a person. I want to help others because I feel like if I can, the way that I can help others is using wellness. It's where my expertise is. So if I can help you to find happiness by supporting your wellness, I think that that can be something that can stick for a longer period of time. And best case scenario for a lifetime, I mean, I might be a dreamer, but, you know, I'd, I'd like to think that that's that that's possible. If if I can get someone to buy into going for meetings by walking, maybe they'll do that with the next colleague. And then maybe it'll seem weird at some point to sit down for a meeting. And that's a huge win for me, especially in the Calgary area. We have access to fantastic not-for-profit organizations, and also organizations who are excited to help out and, and local organizations in the community. I mean, you can even call up your local co-op or Safeway to see if they'd be willing to chip into something that's going on in your school, if it's if it's meaningful. And often, yes, I I used to put on a a basketball tournament and the local Max supported us with some funding so that we could support the athletes with the treat. So We live in a culture, I think, that values to some extent more than I'd like it to the rat race and prioritizes achievement over wellness. And I would just, it's important to me that wellness is paramount alongside numeracy and literacy to see wellness there is, I think is a big deal. And for it to not be a checkbox, I think that's part of why I continue to stay involved and I'm really passionate about it because it's one thing to say, yeah, we're doing it and to check off the boxes, you know, and another thing to really live the culture and transform the culture. And, and that takes time and it takes work. And I think I'm I'm just scratching the surface and just
1: really excited about what the future can bring. I'm excited for what you will bring too, Lisa. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, it's my pleasure. I love talking about this. We can continue to talk about this anytime. <laughs>
1: you bet. Thank you for taking the time to answer my questions. I really appreciate you sharing your expertise. Thanks for joining us for another conversation on school health, a serious collaboration between the Workland School of Education and EverActive Schools. Thanks to Matthew Wood for composing and performing the theme music, and a special thank you to Stephen Hurley from Voice Ed Radio for production assistance and sound editing. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at EverActiveAB, on Facebook at Everactive Schools, or visit our website, EverActive.org, for more great content and resources. Until next time, the podcast is dismissed.